You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to The World in 10, your daily roundup of the biggest stories from around the world as seen through the eyes of the Times of London. I'm Eleanor Shearwood. And I'm Holly Keogh. The owner of a Discord server where secret US documents were published says it wasn't his fault. Buildings have been set on fire in France as thousands protested against pension reforms. And who's playing at the King's coronation? Well, we'll find out all of that and more in the next 10 minutes. Over the last few days, we've been following the story of the leaked Pentagon Papers. Holly, you've got the latest updates. Yes, so on yesterday's podcast, we heard more about the 21-year-old who leaked the papers, Jack Teixeira. Since then, he's appeared in court in Boston and been officially charged with the retention and transmission of national defence information and willful retention of classified documents. Okay. That comes under the Espionage Act. If he's found guilty, he could spend up to 15 years in prison. So this is about material that was published in a Discord chat room on the 1st and 2nd of March. Now, if you're not familiar with what Discord is, it's basically a social media platform that's really popular with video gamers. They kind of use it to discuss similar interests that they have. Now, Mr. Teixeira was said to be an admin of this chat room where this was all published. They discuss wars and geopolitical affairs in it. And it was owned and moderated by a British YouTuber called Wow Mao and his team. Now, we've been hearing from Wow Mao directly and he insisted he doesn't use Discord that much. And so none of this was his fault. No, I didn't do anything wrong. It was someone else's mistake. They just did it through my means. I thought it was a little bit funny. I can't believe it. The uh, the idea that a massive uh, international US document leak happens on the, a Discord server of a YouTuber is uh, ridiculous. You know, how could you not like think, oh, come on. Is that really how things are going to play out? I suppose most Discord moderators wouldn't have to deal with one of the most serious US intelligence leaks in years. Probably not, no. <laughs> That's another reason Wow Mao insists he's not to blame. There's another server where they might have appeared too, called Thugshaker Central. Yeah, that one's been deleted since though. Even though Wow Mao has around a quarter of a million subscribers, his identity's not been revealed, so he's pretty anonymous. But he's found himself at the centre of this massive international story and he gave us some insight into what that's been like. There are some uh, articles that were posted that applies that I looked at myself and I thought, oh God, I'm never going to reveal my name or face. Absolutely not. And I get comments like, he's not a British national, he's a Filipino, we should send him back or we should get 
the uh, the police on his door. Let's see if it's funny then. I didn't do anything wrong. Myself. The U.S. president is back in the U.S. after spending the last few days on a tour of Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. It was to mark the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. But it's been quite an emotional one for him personally too. President Biden's been visiting ancestors there and frequently mentioned how much of a connection he feels. Yeah, so his final stop was the town of Ballinar. Now, fun fact for you, Holly, it's twinned with Scranton in Pennsylvania, where President Biden was born. But you might know that from somewhere else too. The office. Of course. Anyway, he gave a speech outside the cathedral, and actually it summed up his whole trip quite nicely. Let's have a bit of a listen to it. What do we have to fight for? Freedom. Democracy. It always must be defended. And I want to thank you. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I want to thank you. For the incredible generosity you've shown, like so many other Irish families across this country, who've opened up their hearts and homes to tens of thousands of Ukrainian refugees fleeing Russia's brutal violence. I've been there many times. Ireland remembers. I can't imagine the amount of organisation that must have gone into that, the size of that crowd. Well, luckily, we don't need to because we've got an insider. Lisa Hallinan organised the event last night and was speaking to us quite croakily this morning. I think even she'd admit that. It goes without saying that almost anything involving a major politician becomes automatically political. And one bone of contention here has been how he spent far less time in Northern Ireland than he did in the Republic. But Lisa's told us this visit was more personal than political. Ballinar has a population of less than 11,000 people. So, you know, many of his cousins would know people in the town and it feels like it's a close bond and a close tie. Last night felt more like a um, something that President Biden wanted to do on a personal level. There were more demonstrations in France on Friday night. Before we go into what happened, let's first explain why. So France's highest constitutional court approved President Macron's controversial plan to raise the legal retirement age from 62 to 64. This means that the government can pass the French president's unpopular plans to increase the minimum eligible pension age as early as next week to be enforced by the end of this year. Now, the government hoped the Constitutional Council decision would stop what's been about three months of protests and strikes and last night, again, this all came to a head and there was widespread chaos across France. And following the council's ruling, demonstrators set fires across Paris and 112 people were arrested. One demonstrator said that they will continue to fight the decision. What can I say? I'm shocked. We're living in a democracy and it's not a democracy. So, yes, I mean, <laughs> we will continue to manifest. Four days ago, I was in Berlin with my kids and we talked about democracy and how in Europe we are fighting for our rights and people demonstrate and uh, we will continue. Now, obviously, this creates quite a difficult situation for President Macron. He really wants these reforms to go through and says they're basically essential to prevent the pension system collapsing. Now, Charles Bremner is the Times' correspondent in Paris. He says Macron's really going to stand by this view. President Macron thinks that... (laughs) 
put it mildly, he knows better than, mm. than, than the rest of the country. In, um, in the opinion of most other countries, he does, because uh, France is an extreme outlier in having such a young retirement age. President Macron says it's vital for the French economy and that the people just don't get it. Unions have vowed to continue opposing the reforms and called on workers across France to return to the streets on the 1st of May. Yeah, and Macron's offered to meet unions next week in a bid to ease tensions because this is an issue that French people feel really strongly about. And it's been something that's quite hard for a lot of other countries to understand. So, for example, here in the UK and in Spain, the pension age is 66. So even though in France it would still be less than that, pushing it up by two years is a pretty big deal for people there. Let's bring you up to date then with some of the other stories The Times has been covering today. Now, when we came into the office first thing this morning, we were met with breaking reports of the Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida being evacuated to safety. Now there were reports of a loud explosion and a bit later on it was revealed that that was from a smoke bomb. That's right. According to Japanese media, a person was detained at the scene in Wakayama, which is hosting a by-election imminently, and Mr Kishida had been due to give a speech. Violent attacks in Japan are normally really rare, but this comes in the wake of Shinzo Abe being shot dead whilst on the campaign trail last year. And so this has raised, again, worries about the safety and security of politicians there. Now on to our next story. And rather than watching sport on TV, there's definitely been a trend recently of watching shows about sport. I mean, Drive to Survive. Cheer. Exactly. And now maybe British Athletics. Its chief exec is looking for backing for a documentary that will follow Britain's finest athletes on their journey towards next year's Olympic Games in Paris. This is all because it's on the brink of going bankrupt and they're trying to be creative while negotiations for an emergency rescue package carry on. OK, Holly, is your coronation countdown clock on? Not exactly, but I know it's close. OK, well, luckily I've been keeping track for both of us and it's three weeks today. And The Times has, of course, been bringing us all of the updates as they come. I'm sure there'll be plenty more over the next three weeks. Today's big announcement is who's going to be on the lineup of the Coronation concert, which takes place the day after. And I'm not going to lie to you, it's great. We've got Lionel Richie, Katy Perry and... Is any British concert really complete without Take That? Well, that's for the listeners to decide. <laughs> now, before we go, we'll give you a sneak preview of what's coming up on the podcast tomorrow. We'll hear from Matthew Campbell, who has investigated the Qatargate scandal, in which senior European politicians were accused of accepting bribes from Qatar and Morocco. He tells us about the characters involved. Some people regard the European Parliament as a den of iniquity, but in this story, uh, yes, there's a, a curious cast of characters besides the the Greek vice president of the parliament. Uh, there's a, a, a former uh, MEP turned lobbyist, an Italian called Pier Antonio Panzeri, and police found 700,000 euros in his flat under his bed. So, you know, there are elements of farce here. Be sure to listen to tomorrow's episode to hear more on that story. And that's it for today's World in 10. Bye for now.